Appreciate the good song, appreciate the good presence of God. First Samuel chapter number 17 tonight for just a few moments. First Samuel chapter 17. And if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the word of God and prayer, I tell you, we could all be home tonight, amen? It'd be a good day for the trumpet to sound. Brother David sung that song, When Jesus Comes in the Clouds, amen? And uh, I'm looking for him to come back. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 15 tonight. The Bible said, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, He said, uh, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses and the captains of their husband or their thousands and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Verse number 20. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went uh, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper and the car- uh, of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, shall enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the, unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he, and he turned him, and he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former matter. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for the privilege to preach tonight. I pray that you'll touch us and help us. Help us, God, not to say anything that would grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Speak to every heart. Do great things in our midst. Do what we cannot do tonight, and we'll love you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on this subject, on the true servant of God. A true servant of God. And here we find David has been anointed as king, but... Uh, David also, we see him later as a soldier as he uh, is about to go forth and he's about to fight Goliath. And you know the story. He takes Goliath down and wins the victory. And David is sung and David is praised as a mighty soldier of God. Later, David does become the king of Israel and he takes the throne. He becomes uh, uh, one of the greatest kings of Israel. But before David was a soldier, and before David was a king, David had to be a servant. Amen. And can I say tonight that the same thing 
thing is true about all of us. A lot of times we think, as David thought, uh, uh, that we're ready for the battle. We think that we're ready to fight the Goliaths of our day. And when that time comes, God will always make us ready and God will do for us what we don't have the ability to do within ourselves. And that is surely the truth about the life of David. Uh, when you take David's stature and you match it up against Saul's stature, uh, there was no comparison between the two. And certainly Saul was that different. I mean, I'm talking about Goliath, but surely, surely Goliath, uh, his stature was greater than David. And David's, uh, Goliath's uh, ability, his skill was greater than what David's was. Uh, he had fought more battles than what David had fought. But the difference between David and the difference between Goliath was that the Lord was with David. Amen. Hey, can I tell you tonight the difference between us, uh, my friend, whenever we go to fight the enemy is not that they were greater than the enemy because we know that we're no match for the devil. But thank God we've got someone that stands on our side and someone that is called along the side to help us uh, uh, just as the Lord helped David. But before David could be king and before David could be a soldier, David had to be a servant. And it's in this text tonight that we read and we see David as a true servant of God. Just because Samuel had anointed him and just because David had already been to the palace and stood in the presence of a king did not mean that David had reached that place and that point yet. And sometimes in life, that's exactly what we think. Just because God has fixed some things and ordered some things in our life, if we're not careful, we're ready to run ahead and we're ready to assume the throne when God knows that he doesn't want us to be a king right now. He doesn't want us to be a soldier right now. He just needs us to be a servant. Amen. There's one thing about this Christian life we should all get a hold of, and that is just live one day at a time. Amen. Don't try to figure out three months from now or three years from now or 30 years from now. Just take the day that God has given you and give God your best today and don't worry about tomorrow, amen? And it's in this text that we see here in verse number 15 down to verse number 19, we see the choosing of this servant, that it is the father, Jesse, that is calling David to do a great task now. But I want you to notice in the choosing of this servant here uh, that the Bible says in verse number 15 that David went and he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And I see the discipline of this servant here that just because David was anointed king didn't mean that David made his journey up to the palace. No, when David was anointed as king and then David went to the palace to play the harp for Saul, whenever David's service was over with for Saul, you know what he did? He went back to doing what he had done the day before Samuel anointed him. He went back to being that servant and that shows great discipline in the life of David that he didn't lose focus and get his eyes on something else uh, but he did what God had intended for him to do that day. You know a lot of times in life that's what we need to do. We just need to get up and go to work and work a job and just you just you ladies just need to get up and take care of those kids uh, and do the regular routine of the day. It doesn't look like much just like keeping sheep but have the discipline uh, to do what God has called you to do. You young people need to get up and just go to school and give a good day's work at school and pass your grades and, and, and listen be a good testimony there at the school and just do the have the discipline because God is working those ordinary days in our life to make us better Christians for his honor and his glory. Amen. You see service isn't really done so much right here as it is out there. God's got to get us out in the field if we're going to do any work. Can I get a witness right there? 
I'm telling you, if we're going to serve God, he's got to get us on the job. He's got to get us in the school. He's got to get us in those places in life that uh, where we're not seen, we're just seen as everybody else, but it's there that we really serve God, and that requires discipline. So many people have got out of the will of God because they painted up big things that they wanted to do for God, and they forgot the day-to-day task, and David is just simply keeping sheep in this text tonight, and God chose him because of the discipline that was in his life. But then I see something else here in verse number 16. I see the distance as the Bible said that the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself. And Jesse said unto David his son, he said, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. I want you to see here, the, uh, my friend, the, the distance that David had to run and the dedication of him. As the Bible said that he said, I want you to go, David, but I don't want you to wait any time in what you're doing. I want you to take this corn and I want you to take this cheese and he said I want you to run to the camp of thy brethren. You know God doesn't want us to be lazy. Can I get a witness right there? God wants us to work and he wants us to be busy and too many times in this Christian life we're walking when we ought to be running for God. Amen. Friend we're living in the last days and Jesus is coming and churches are dying and preachers are quitting and Christians are compromising. This isn't a day to just roll over and play dead with the rest of them. It's not a day to throw in the towel. If you're going to be a servant of God, you're going to have to put your hand to the plow, Jesus said, and you're going to have to plow on. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to be busy. You're going to have to serve God. Don't be a lazy Christian. Be a dedicated Christian. When I think about the older saints in this church, and I say that respectfully, the one thing that comes to my mind when I think about these older saints, I think about their level of dedication. I mean, how they've got the drive to just not quit. They'll just keep on going to church. They just keep on going on visitation. They just keep on walking up these steps and going to the choir. Oftentimes they're not the ones that ever complain about those things. You know why that is? Because they're dedicated. They're here on Sunday morning. They're here on Sunday night. They're here on Wednesday night. They're the backbone of the church. Amen. And I know that we have other dedicated people but I'm simply saying when I look at that older generation, I say, dear God, if we're going to keep what we've got, we've got to have another generation that'll have that same level of dedication and serve the Lord. You know, the devil will give you a hand, he'll give you a bag full of excuses as to why not to live for God. But on the other side of that, if you really want to be go forward with God, you'll be dedicated in spite of the consequences or the circumstances that you face in life. There's people tonight we know that's got heart problems. There's people tonight we know that's got cancer. They've got, listen, a multitude of other problems. But guess what? As long as they can put one foot in front of the other, they just keep on going for God. Hey, friend, that's the way I want to be. Amen. By the grace of God, that's how I want to go out of here serving Jesus. Uh, I don't want to go out serving God on the sideline. I want to be on the front line. I want to be on the firing line. I want to give God my absolute best. Uh, I'm telling you, if this is my last day to serve God here, I want to give God my dead level best. Uh, I want to go forward with God and serve God. And David had that level of dedication in his life. I think that's why God chose him as a servant, because he knew that he was dedicated. And by the way, God only uses dedicated people in his service tonight. And then I see David's duties, as the Bible said in verse number 18, 
He said, carry these cheese and this uh, to the captain of, the, of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. And so he says, Jesse says to David, he said, I want you to go. I want you to take this cheese and, uh, to, the, to, to the captain. And he said, I want you to find out how they're doing and find out how the brethren are. And thank God, uh, David had some duties that the father had given him. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And friend, every one of us has a responsibility uh, to serve God. We all have a part of the father's business and we ought to be busy doing that tonight. God needs workers and laborers in his vineyard. He needs some dedicated daddies, some dedicated mamas. He needs some dedicated teenagers tonight. And I see that in this text that, they, that the Lord chose this servant because of his level of dedication, because the father knew that David would fulfill the duties that was laid before him. But then I notice in verse number 19 the danger. As he said that Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. I think that we forget in this text that what the father had sent the son to do was a very dangerous thing. David was risking his life for his brethren because his brethren was risking their lives for him. And can I tell you something? That's what we need. We need that level of dedication that we stand up for each other and we stand up with each other and we serve God in the same battle. You see, David wasn't out on the front line. He was carrying cheese. He was carrying corn. Oh, you think about everybody can't be on the front line. Somebody's got to do the little task, as we like to put it, but there's no little task in the, the army of God. Somebody's got to, uh, to, got to do the things that are behind the scene. Now, listen, Saul wasn't going to award David for the task that the father had given him, but I'll tell you something. David wasn't doing it for Saul. David was doing it for his father, and that's all the difference tonight in this world is you need to look at why do you do what you're doing. Are you doing it for someone else, or are you doing it for God? And can I tell you tonight, if you're doing it for God, friend, you'll just keep on going, and it doesn't matter if it's a big job or a little job. If if it's what the Lord wants me to do tonight, then I want to do it. Amen. I preached in a little church last night with about uh, probably 30 people in it, all of them silver-haired saints. And uh, listen, I got in that church and I didn't know anybody there last night and I thought, looked across that congregation and uh, they come in and I, I'm not being critical, I'm just being honest. They come in, Brother David, and they had, uh, some of them, listen, had walkers and some of them had canes and and they were coming in. I mean, they're just, just, just an older uh, congregation of people. And you know what the devil said to me? The devil said, boy, you're going to have a hard time preaching to that crowd tonight. I'm going to tell you, I got up and started preaching. We drove about 400 miles. And uh, the devil said, what in the world are you doing here? But I got up preaching last night, Brother Laddie. I'm going to tell you something. That crowd went to meeting. Amen. Hey, can, we can learn a few things from that crowd tonight. Some of y'all used to go to meeting and now you're just sitting here. Amen. It used to not be this quiet in this church. I'm just going to run slap over it tonight. You say, well, I wish it wasn't this quiet. Well, say something. All you boys on the front row, you men on the front row, say amen. 
I'm talking about, listen, I was preaching to that crowd. It's about 30 of them. And you know what? They started amen. The more they, the more they said amen, the better I felt. I thought, man, I listen, I was sitting there wore out, tired. I thought, man, I, I'm not going to be able to preach tonight. I'm going to tell you something. They got to, they got to go in the meet, and I'm going to tell you what happened. God got in the midst of that thing, and he blessed it. I was glad I drove 800 miles to preach to that crowd, uh, and we'll do it all over again. You say, preacher, are you fussing? No, I'm just preaching. I'm telling you, churches are dying by the dozen, and we let too many little bitty things come between us and God and hinder our worship, and it's foolishness, friend. Uh, God has been way too good to us uh, to sit on the sideline. It doesn't matter if I don't like something or don't like something. The bottom line is I ought not even be here tonight and God has blessed me and allowed me to sit in church on a Sunday night with a King James Bible in my heart. I tell you, shame on us if we just take a back seat and just get through a service. We ought to be thrilled every time we go to church and God lets us sit amongst the brethren. Amen. And I see here that David was that kind of a servant. We see the choosing of the servant. We see the character of this servant. I notice in, ver in verse number 20, I see his responsibility. As the Bible said that he rose up early in the morning. See, David was a man that was responsible. He was a man that would get out of the bed in the morning. He didn't waste no time. He didn't lay in the bed. Hey, young people, when his father asked him to do something, he didn't lay in the bed till 11, 12 o'clock till the sun warped his feet and decided to get up and go do something. He got up early in the morning. I say it's still good to get up early in the morning, don't and it builds character. I mean, roll out of the bed five o'clock, six o'clock, uh, no later than seven o'clock, uh, and do something for the glory of God. Amen. Now, I know sometimes people get tired. I understand that. But I'll tell you, when the sun comes up, you'll just get up. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, open the, open the blinds, let the sunlight in, get up and do something. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, uh, mow the yard. I mean, mow the yard at seven o'clock in the morning, wake your neighbors up so they'll get up. Uh, I mean, just do something productive. Uh, uh, don't be lazy, amen? Uh, uh, listen, I remember as a child, so, as a young boy growing up, my dad, if you're sitting around, he'd give you something to do. Uh, uh, so you might as well go do something. Uh, and I thank God for that. Uh, I appreciate that now in my older years uh, because I don't want to be a lazy Christian, amen? It's the laziest generation I've ever seen. They think everybody owes them something tonight. Don't want to work for anything, but want to own everything. Isn't that right? And if they can't pay for it, they'll just take yours. Can I get a witness right there? Brother, I'm telling you, listen, uh, uh, don't appreciate what they do have because they've never had uh, to do without anything. If you've ever had to do without anything, you'll learn to appreciate what little you do have and you'll learn to take care of it, amen? You're not as quick to throw something away. You're not as quick just to pass something off. Uh, hey, friend, I'm telling you, plastic has just about killed this generation. And listen, sit down jobs and machinery and technology. Hey, I still like the days when people get out and sweat, amen? I still like to get out and just dig a ditch or do something, cut some wood, just do something on the outside. Uh, it's just good for your mind. It's good for your body. I'm talking about being a responsible individual. And that's a problem even in our churches because people are so irresponsible that when they come to church, the one thing they don't want to do is take responsibility. They don't want to take on something for, because with responsibility, you know what comes? Commitment accountability. Well, preacher, I'll do that. Just don't expect a whole lot from me. No, I'm expecting a whole lot. I can tell you that. You see, we're living in that society. Every teenager in this building tonight ought to have a list of things they have to do on a weekly basis. Is that right? I mean, that's just the way it ought to be. 
They ought to make their own bed. Amen. They ought to learn to iron their own clothes. They ought to learn how to cook a few meals. I, I listen, even me and my brother, we knew how to cook an egg sandwich. At least we could survive is what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, this generation, most of the teenagers today don't even know how to pull water. You know that? They don't know how to iron clothes. Uh, listen, they just think you pull it out of the closet and throw it in the dryer. No, you ought to be able to put a crease in a pair of pants. I'm just going to preach on anything that I can. Uh, you ought to learn how to iron a shirt, you women. If you're ever going to get a man, you ought to learn how to iron a shirt. Amen? And you boys ought to learn how to start a lawn more without asking your daddy. You ought to, how to, how to, or to learn how to put a spark plug in a car. I'm just talking about responsibility. Uh, those are things. Uh, you know, you don't, the, the answer is not pay for everything. Can I get a witness right there? You can fix some things and save a little bit of money. You know that? You say, preacher, that, what's that called? That's called being responsible. Getting up in the morning time. I bet you there's parents here tonight. You Listen, you young people, some of your mom and dad would have a massive heart attack if you got out of the bed before they did in the morning time, you ought to shock them. Get up, shine your shoes, amen? Clean your room up. Uh, some of you have to tie a rope around yourself until the doorknob just to get out of the room uh, for fear you'd never come back. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, listen, I remember as a kid, we had to keep our room clean. We had to keep things looking nice. Uh, we had to keep things looking right. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, brother, I'm talking about uh, have some responsibility about you. And David was responsible. You preachers, you young preachers hear me tonight, and I'm glad to see you with a, with a shirt and tie on uh, uh, listen, but wear a shirt and tie when you come to church. Uh, I understand if you've been working and you got to come in work clothes. Uh, I understand that. But don't come to church in a pair of blue jeans and an old T-shirt. I mean, listen, if you come to church looking like a man of God, uh, if you've been working all day, that's just fine. You know how I believe about that. But I'm telling you, we ought to have some character in what we're doing. And David was a man of character. I see that he was responsible. I see also in verse number 20 that David was obedient. The Bible Bible says here uh, that he left those sheep with a keeper and took and went, notice this, as Jesse had commanded him. David was obedient. There was no rebellion in him toward his parents. His father wanted him to take this cheese and this corn uh, to these men in battle and David didn't whine about it. He didn't complain about it. No, he did what his parents asked him to do. He did what his dad had asked him to do. And we need a generation of young people that will learn to be obedient unto their parents. See, if you want to live a long life, obey your mom and dad. You want to die an early life, disobey them. Amen, bring reproach to them. You say, well, preacher, they're not always right. No, and one day you'll get your chance to be wrong. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it's hard raising young people today. And parents are not going to be perfect. They're, they're not going to always make the right decision. I remember one time my dad whooped me for something, and he found out later I wasn't guilty, thank God. The one time I wasn't guilty. Do you know he didn't even say he was sorry? I told him I wasn't guilty, and he said, I don't believe you, and he whipped me anyway. And he found out later it wasn't me, it was a boy down the street. And I said, I told you, Daddy, I wasn't guilty. He said, well, he said, you know you had that coming anyway. I said, I didn't do it. He said, yeah, but he said, there's things I don't know about. He said, we're just catching up is what we're doing. Amen. And he never said he was sorry. He didn't pat me on the head. He didn't make me feel good about it. He said, you know what? I walked away and thought, yeah, he's a, I should probably get five more if the truth be known. But you know what? I thank God for a generation that my friend, they listen, they knew they made mistakes. But my friend, they just did what they thought was right. Amen. Amen. They taught us obedience to that authority that was in our life. Yes. Then I see in verse number 22 that he was zealous. 
As the Bible said, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper and the carriage, notice this, he ran into the army and saluted the brethren. I see both that David uh, in this verse here that he was zealous. He ran to the army and then he had a mannerism as he saluted his brethren. You know what David does in verse number 22? He does exactly what his father told him to do in the verses before that when he said, I want you to run to the cat and he said, I want you to salute the brethren. His father wasn't around but the character of this young man was to do exactly, not just do part of what his parents said, but to do all that his parents told him to do. And that's real character, is when you'll do what mom and dad's doing when no one's around. Daddy wasn't there, but listen, daddy knew he could trust David to do exactly what he had asked him to do. You know, I don't say to the young people, and I'm not really preaching just to them tonight, but as young people, oftentimes you want freedom. And I, I probably feel differently than other people do. I don't believe in giving young people freedom. Amen. I think, listen, when you give them freedom when they're young, you let them, you say, well, I give my kid a curfew. That's your problem, not mine. I didn't give my kids curfews. You say, why? Because I don't trust the flesh, friend. Amen. If I need accountability in my life at 41 years of age, they need accountability in their life at whatever age they are. You cannot do that to the flesh. This flesh, you say, well, if you don't give them freedom, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the world. They're going to go to the world if you give them freedom. I promise you that. And they may go to the world if you don't give them freedom, but I'd rather pillow my head at night and know that I did what I thought was right as to just turn them loose because they can't handle the world. They can't handle the flesh. They can't handle the devil. There's got to be accountability in their life. And listen, God gave you those children to safeguard. Yes, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work, and it, it becomes more work as the older they get. And I'm telling and you'll be thankful one day when you walk them down the aisle. And if they don't do right, you'll still be thankful that you did what was right. And here's what David did. His father taught him respect and he taught him to, to have character even when his dad wasn't around. But he's, he put him in a situation where that David was always accountable to somebody, even to those other brethren. I see the character of this servant. I see the concern of this servant. In verse number 23, notice that David, as he taught with them, the Bible said, Behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and he spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And David becomes concerned about this foe. There wasn't a whole lot of people uh, concerned about Goliath's challenge, but when David heard it, he was concerned about this foe. And what I mean by that is David said, Hey, something's got to be done to this fella. This man can't go around doing what he's doing. Define the army of God and define my friend the name of the Lord. David said somebody's got to take a stand and friend that's what we need today is we need to be concerned about the issues that's going on in our churches and around our country and somebody needs to take a stand. Isn't that right? David was concerned about the foe. In verse 24 David was concerned about the fear as the Bible says in all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were so afraid. I had a preacher tell me just this week, he wrote a track uh, concerning homosexuality. And in that track, he dealt with a sin, but he dealt with the cure of that sin. His motive for writing that track was because that someone in his own family was guilty of that very sin and God burdened his heart and he wanted to try to help deliver but he said the most discouraging thing was was they had pastors call him and say, why did you write that track? Do you not realize the controversy that you're causing in that area? 
in riding that track and passing out the track. One of the local officials tried to get them to stop from passing that track out on the sidewalk on the public street. And just through a course of events, they was able to overcome that. But he talked about that, how that local pastors, and I thought, man, what is the world coming to today? When men of God will no longer stand with other men of God, when they'll no longer stand shoulder to shoulder and say, let's fight for the same cause. David, what he saw, you say, preacher, why would they do that? You know they believe the same way we do. I'm gonna tell you, because of fear. And David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I have fear just like other people do. But when fear comes, you know what courage is? It's the ability to go on in spite of your fears, just to press on. And David was concerned about the fear. When David looked at the army, he didn't see men that were standing tall. He saw men that was hiding out that was afraid to face this giant. Friend, we're going to have to face some giants in our life. David was concerned about the fear, the foe. He was concerned about the faith in verse number 26. As David said in the latter part of this verse, of verse 26, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What got David stirred up the most was not the size of Goliath nor his words but the fact that he was defying God. Friend, we cannot afford to be passive in these days. We can't afford to sit by and let the devil just do whatever he wants to do. You can't afford to do it in your home. We can't afford to do it in the house of God. David said this man is an uncircumcised Philistine. He's defying the army of the living God. Someone needs to do something for David. The reward, my friend, was to shut the mouth of the gainsayer, not to receive riches from Saul. David just wanted to do what was right. He just wanted to take a stand for the faith. And I see here, my friend, the concern of this servant. But I want you to notice one other thing tonight. I want you to see here the criticism of this servant because David is willing to take a stand because David is willing to do what's right he's going to face criticism and friend that's where the rubber meets the road tonight we are going to face criticism if we live for God the Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12 yea and all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution David is suffering persecution in these verses. He's not suffering it from the Philistines. He's suffering it from his own men, his own brethren, his own army. Oftentimes we find that criticism does not come from the world, but it comes from our very own. And David finds criticism in this text as it wasn't just an army. It just wasn't a soldier, my friend, of the Israelite army, but it was his own brother. It was his own flesh and blood. The Bible said in verse 28 that he lied his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and he said why camest thou out uh, hither he said and with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness I know thy pride the naughtiness of thine heart for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle now I want to say something tonight don't you believe that if there was anything that would have cut David it would have been sad if David would have heard another soldier say something against him but this wasn't another soldier. This was his brother. This was the one that he grew up with. This was the one that he lived in the same house with. This was a soldier that David loved. It was one that he had came to check on. It was one that he was concerned about, but it was also one that was criticizing him. You know, tonight, even in this church, like every other church, sometimes we hear criticism. And I know that criticism can hurt 
It ought to be a caution to every one of us that we should be careful what we say about other people. We shouldn't put people down. We shouldn't make fun of people. We shouldn't mock people. We shouldn't point out their faults, their failures, because we all have them, don't we? And oftentimes, when someone is criticized, we never know the damage that's taking place in their own life. But the bottom line is, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me is not true. What we say about people can scar them the rest of their life. I would much rather give an account for what I didn't say as to have, a give, have to give an account for what I did say about someone else. You never know when someone is struggling. And when you look at someone and you see that they're not living the way that they should be living, maybe they're not being as faithful to church as what they should be. Maybe they're not, listen, uh, maybe they're not participating like they used to or like they should. And my friend, that ought to draw concern from us, not criticism. It ought to cause us to get in a secret place and call their name out in prayer. I think often times we lose too many casualties because when people fall or when we see them falling, I know that we can't make people serve God. I know that we can't, uh, listen, force people to do what's right, but the least we can do is reach across the aisle and pick them up, give them a kind word, shake their hand, just be a friend to them, even if they're not being a friend to us. Uh, that's what being a real Christian is. Uh, don't criticize them. Don't put them down. Uh, hey, pull them in and love them, amen. Find the weakest person in this church and help them. I love Brother David Wilson tonight. I love Brother Laddie. The truth is tonight, these men, I know that they need to hear me. I need to be a blessing to these men. But the truth of the matter is, is tonight is these men don't need my help near as much as someone else in this church may need it tonight. Amen. Brother Doyle, I love you. Brother Dole's going to be here Wednesday night whether I'm here or not. Is that true tonight? You see what he's saying, preacher? I'm not saying ignore these men, but I'm saying, listen, it's easy for me to go to David Wilson. It's easy for me to go to Brother Laddie. It's easy for me to go to Brother Dole. But they're not struggling tonight. Find the ones that are struggling and help them. Reach out to them. You say, well, what if they don't want it? Do it anyway. Reach out anyway. Help them anyway. Well, they, they don't part their hair like me. Doesn't make no difference. They don't believe, we don't have anything in common. We got a personality conflict. You know what personality conflict is? It's a lack of spirituality. Spiritual saints can help anybody. Amen. We don't have to have the same personalities. Thank God we don't. I, aren't you glad everybody don't act like me? Amen. Aren't you glad everybody don't act like you tonight? I'm telling you, we're not carbon copies. God makes us different, and he does it for a reason. Yes, uh, well, you say, well, that person's quirky. We're all quirky, amen? amen. That's right. We just don't see our own quirks. That's right. You say, well, they're strange. Well, somebody's saying that about you tonight. We're all different. We don't think we're strange because we live with each other. But I'm telling you, we live with ourselves. But here's the thing. A real Christian... We'll find somebody that needs help and they'll reach out to them. I don't mean pull them in to your crowd. I mean leave your crowd and go to them. I mean reach out to them. I mean, you say, what do I do? Take them out for dinner. Amen. Just you, just, just you and them. Be a friend to them. I'll never forget preaching with a, with a, with a dear brother one time and he told about a man that was deep in sin. 
He said as he was in that motel room there, he said, or in that motel lobby, he said, he walked up, he said, instantly he knew the sin this man was involved in. And he said he started to just kind of mind his business and just get his, his card and go into his room. And he said, the Holy Ghost said, take him out for lunch. And this is what he said. He said, I did not want to be seen with that individual. He said, I thought to myself, what if I run into somebody else and they see me eating lunch with this person, what are they going to say? God said, I want you to take him out to lunch. He said, I took that man out to lunch and he said, as I sat down, he said, I began to talk to him about his sin. He said, I asked him, he said, I'm just concerned. He said, I, I know the life that you're living and he said, I'm concerned about you. And he said, I just want to ask you, I said, what, what's going on? And he said, that man broke down in tears. He said, I hate my life. He said, I hate the, the way that I'm living. He said, I don't even want to do what I'm doing. He said, but I just feel like I'm trapped. He said, I just feel like, he said, you feel like there's shackles on you, don't you? He said, that's exactly how I feel. He gave that man the gospel, witness to him. And in the restaurant, he bowed his head and accepted Christ as his Savior. Amen. Man joined a local church and God changed his life. Amen. You know why? All because he reached out to the one person that his flesh said you don't want anything to do with. I'm telling you, listen, it takes no Christianity. It takes no spirituality to run with people and we all do it. Hey, listen, I've got friends and you've got friends, but the bottom line is as long as someone's giving back, it don't take any spirituality for me to be a friend to someone that I've got something in common with. It's not taxing on me, but I'm telling you to reach out to somebody then I'm telling you there's nothing there but just to try to do what God would have you to do. That's what Jesus just did. We didn't have nothing in common with his son. We didn't have nothing in common with him. We were the unwanted of the unwanted. We were the misfits of the misfits. The devil had run us rough shot. Nobody wanted nothing to do with us. Oh, but I'm so glad that God the son condescended and came to where we was and loved us when we were unlovable and Jesus reached out to us and rescued us. Amen. And I believe with all my heart that's what being a real Christian is about. Is helping those that no one, and you will be criticized for that, but you'll also be blessed for it. And I close with this thought tonight as I get us a song. I see in verse 29, not only the criticism of this servant, but in the life of David, I see the control of this servant. David said in verse 29, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Do you know what happens in verse 29? We preach that all the time in light of the the, the, fight, the battle against Goliath and, and there's nothing wrong with that but in reality David wasn't talking about the battle David was talking about his brethren he looked at all of his brethren he looked at his own brother whom he loved who criticized him he said what have I done I've just come to try to be a help try to be a blessing just to be a servant I, I don't want no title I, I don't want anything is there not a cause for me being here can it not be some benefit, some help to you in some form or some fashion? Friend, I want to tell you tonight, we are brethren. And we ought to look across the aisle, we ought to look around us and find reason to be a help, a benefit one to another. I've always said this and believe it all my heart tonight. If the church will pull in the same direction, we'll do far more for God than what we see done today. I wonder as we stand, our heads are about, eyes are closed. We need to come. If you need to come to this altar, would you mind God? I, I want to be a true servant of God. David's wearing no title in this text. He's just simply doing what the Father has asked him to do. In a day of title seekers and 
in a day of accolades and recognition and trophies and all those things, that's not what being a servant is. A servant is just obeying the Father, helping the brethren, doing what you can, where you can, when you can. That's a true servant of God. May we never forget that tonight. While Brother David sings, if you need to come, would you come tonight?